Anyway, we're ready for our next guest from Baseball America. You've heard his prospect reports on here. Let's bring on Kyle Glazer to go over some of those prospect call-ups. There's been a billion. Kyle, how are you? And I actually want to start in a fun way here. Favorite prospect call-up so far this year that you were either most excited about to see in the bigs or since he's been called up, you're like, okay, this guy's even better than I thought. Yeah, I think the one that really stands out is Nolan Shanuel with the Angels, considering he was the fifth fastest position player ever called up in the history of the draft and barely played the minors, came up, and he's reached base in 24 straight games to start his career. Um, it's remarkable when you consider the gap between college baseball, not just college baseball, he's playing mid-major college baseball, uh, to come up to the big leagues as quickly as he has and, and having success hitting leadoff. It's kind of remarkable and just uh, kind of enjoyable to see in what's been an otherwise dismal season for the Angels on a lot of levels. Well, you said the fifth fastest. Who are the other four faster? Ooh, I'm going to have to pick up. I don't know it off the top of my hand, but I can pull it up for you okay. real quick. Put me on the spot. There. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, Take your time. Yeah, no, I mean, it's been, you know, one of those things. We've seen prospects coming up faster and faster in recent years, um, but even – with that, this was remarkable. He was at low A for a hot minute, double A for a little longer, and that was it. So the four prospects, uh, position player prospects who were drafted that reached the majors faster than Nolan Shanuel were Dave Roberts, not the Dodgers uh, manager Dave Roberts, the old Dave Roberts from the 70s who played for the Padres, Bob Horner, Dave Winfield, obviously a Hall of Famer, and uh, Brian Milner. Milner was the uh, last and most recent to come up this quickly. He uh, was a captor for the Blue Jays, uh, reached the majors 17 days after being drafted. Back in 1978, all these guys were in the 70s. Nolan Shanuel doing it in 2023 uh, is remarkable and really unprecedented in the last 30-plus years. Why do you think Why do you think uh, players are coming up so fast? Doesn't it seem like it's, it's crazy to me that, like, these guys, you know, two weeks later, this and that, but, gosh, it, it's – you know, it's like, gosh, these guys are rushed. It's, it's, I don't know, but is it because of travel ball when they're younger, they're exposed to more? Is it because the colleges have gotten so much better? I mean, Jackson Holiday's 19 years old. He's in AAA, and he's doing well. I mean, how are these guys ready for these situations? Well, it's a couple of things. On the amateur side, things have gotten a little bit more professionalized. You talk about the high school level, not just travel ball, but USA baseball, and even regular high school coaches now have so many more tools and training uh, assets available to them now to help these players get better. College baseball, we've seen a lot of major league coaches go coach at the college levels, help these guys get ready quicker just in terms of their preparation and, and giving them the tools needed to succeed at higher levels. But the other part of this is, and the biggest reason why we're seeing so many guys ascend the minors as quickly as they have been recently is when major league baseball took over the minor leagues and reorganized the minors in 2021, they cut off 40 teams, got rid of the short season levels. The overall caliber of play in the minors dropped precipitously, particularly at the lower levels at the class a levels. So what you've seen now is teams saying a lot of the top young players, they just don't have that much to gain at low A or high a any longer. So they're sending them through those levels pretty quickly, moving them to double A. And as you guys know, once you're in double A, you're in striking distance to the majors. If you perform there, you start getting consideration to be called up. So a big part of this is just the quality of play at low A and high has dropped so much after minor league reorganization. Teams don't really see the value in keeping top guys there for very long. So what's the deal with Holiday? Why isn't he up with the Orioles? Is it because they've got, I mean, a lot of talent on the big league squad? I don't think anybody at this point doubts that if he was called up, he would more than hold his own 
right from the jump, even with a playoff contender and potentially even be an instant hit. He hasn't really struggled much. You can correct me. You're paying even closer attention. But give us like your worldview of the story of Jackson Holiday, the rise, when he's coming up, and should the Orioles have called him up or still could for a playoff run? Yeah, I mean, it's really remarkable. You talk about this time last year, he had just graduated high school. And for a high school draftee to be in AAA one year after he was drafted is nothing short of remarkable. And he's a player that's been on a consistent upward trend, continues to get bigger, stronger, faster every year. We're seeing the power start to come, and he's always been a really instinctive player, as you'd expect as someone who's the son of a player who uh, had as good of a career as Matt Holliday. I think with him, the biggest thing you're talking about is as talented as he is, as polished and as poised as he is, you know, physically, this is still a teenager. This is still a young kid. And while he's had a lot of success at every level so far, there's still not a lot of total at bats at AAA. And the other part of this is I talked about the quality of the minors declining. The gap between AAA and the major leagues is wider than it used to be. So taking a kid who still has a lot of physical development left, who really doesn't have that many at-bats at the AAA level, and thrusting him into the pennant race, especially as the Orioles are trying to get home field advantage in the American League and stay in first place and not have to play a wild card series, thrusting him in right away in that high-pressure situation might not be what's best for him long-term. Again, he's instinctive, he's polished, he can survive, but when you look at the Orioles are in great position right now, throwing him into the mix might not be what's best for him long-term. I think it makes sense that they're letting him get some more at-bats at AAA and, and seeing where the chips fall there. Wait, so you're saying that AAA has regressed, low A, high A has regressed. Like, is this something that MLB created on their own? Is this like, I know MLB could care less about the minor leagues. They really are just more about getting cheaper players to the big leagues. That's what the owners want. But like, did they create this monster? And what makes you say that the gap between AAA and the big leagues is so much bigger now? Yeah, so this is a byproduct of what Major League Baseball did by eliminating the short season levels. That gap between rookie ball and full season ball low A used to have the Northwest League, the Pioneer League, these short season levels that were higher in the complex leagues. They eliminated that. eliminated that. So what happened is a lot of guys from rookie ball who really aren't ready for full season ball have nowhere else to go. So they're up at low A. So low A now is basically what the short season leagues used to be. And then high A is what low A used to be. So we've seen the caliber of play decline there most precipitously. In terms of double A AA and triple A, there is a sense that it's declined a little bit, in part because a lot of those really talented young prospects who are now being rushed through the lower levels and don't have that short season stopgap, if you will. A lot of times they're not ready to make the jump to double A and, and that filters down to AAA too. So you're seeing a lot of teams signing a lot more of the older veteran types, the 32-year-old, the 34-year-old who has big league experience, you know, has spent a lot of time in AAA and kind of knows, you know, how to play the game, but their pure ability level might not be as high as a really good young up-and-coming prospect. So we've seen a lot of kids struggle to make the jump to low A and high A. And then as a result, a lot more filler types um, are, are kind of filling out the rosters in double-A, triple-A. And as a result, you're seeing more guys in triple-A now throwing 86, 87, 88, whereas before you got had guys throwing real gas on a consistent basis. Kyle, my question is kind of along the lines with Kraft's, though, is Major League Baseball did this. And I've talked to some people that are in minor league you know, positions, and they're like, well, it also, we don't have enough players. 
because and they have to they have to get rid of players sooner because they don't have enough teams and they can only have certain roster sizes. So like you're talking about the short season, this and that. Well, you used to be able to like okay, a guy got out, like say a high school kid was drafted. If you don't perform right away, they have to get rid of you because guess what? A new draft crop of twenty, you know, only twenty rounds is coming in. We have to clear twenty players plus the international guys that are coming up every year. So it doesn't allow for late bloomers and guys to kind of like, like you said, play two years in a ball, play a short season, play a low a, Oh, he figured it out. Oh, boom. He, he gets there now. So, I, I mean, I, I don't know that I, this is one of the byproducts. And honestly, I don't know that I love this for, for the future of baseball. Yeah. There's certainly been a lot of issues that have sprung up. Uh, if you go and watch low a baseball right now, just to be frank, it, it could be hard to watch because it's a lot of kids who are still learning to play the game, 18 years old, you know, 19 years old, sometimes 17 years old. Ethan Salas was 16 and he was in low A this year. So um, you have a lot of guys who you can see there's talent there, but they need time. You know, they need physical strength gains. They need to learn to play the game. And a lot of times not given a chance. It's, hey, you're in low A and we're going to cut you. We have to push you up to high A, even if you're not ready. A lot of times teams just push them and they continue to struggle then they eventually get released so um, we have seen this really really hurt latin american players in particular who sign younger move up a little younger and, and thus the physical development comes a little bit later and you're right there's definitely a lot of kids out there now who need you know a short season and then another year at low a and maybe a second year even starting at low a that don't get that now and there is an argument to be made the talent pool is suffering because of that Okay, I'm going to ask my next question, but I'm going to tell you that I was offended by the whole AAA old guy that doesn't have I know, have I thought about talent. that as I was saying that. My bad, Aaron. It's okay. It's okay. I was <laughs> off camera. Hey, I wiped the truth I wiped hurts, Kyle. away. The truth hurts, Kyle. It's okay. Don't, 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 don't apologize. No, he didn't apologize. He didn't apologize. He just said he thought about it. He thought about hurting <laughs> my feelings. Every time he wrote articles about me as a prospect, he, he, he thought about hurting feelings. That's I why was, his hand hurts, by the way, Kratz. He wrote so many articles about you as a prospect. I, I was, no, was going to say, uh, you, you were a prospect uh, a little before my time, so uh, I'm, I'm innocent <laughs> on that. I never wrote uh, anything about you as a prospect. I did write about you as a big leaguer, and I don't know if you remember, I actually called an, an interview with you a few years ago when you were uh, Team USA's catcher preparing to go to the 2020 Olympics. So I know Eric Kratz, the veteran, but uh, I am innocent of all charges about writing about you uh, as a prospect. You that, that was a little before my time. That's what that's what all the writers say. They were innocent. They were innocent about writing about me. Nobody. There was nothing to write about. But I want to ask you, out of the top five, who do you think has the greatest big league career? In your opinion, out of the top five, the main, you know, the James Wood, the, you know, the Paul Skeens, the, I think, uh, I think Dylan Cruz is out of the top five, but you know, Jackson Holiday outside of those guys. Who do you think has the best big league career? Outside of the top five? Yeah, I think there's two young shortstops that are really intriguing. Jordan Lawler with the Diamondbacks, who just got called up. Uh, super twitchy athlete. Um, just a really, really good feel for making adjustments. Got off to a slow start this year. But you guys know so much of this game is about making adjustments, learning, and, and continuing to apply all your coaching. And he does a great job of that. He's a great athlete. He can play shortstop. He's athletic enough to play center field steal bases he's a catalyst makes contact and hit for power can do a lot of good things and then also marcelo meyer who's a shortstop in the red sox system got hurt this year but um just such a smooth operator both in the box and at shortstop 
it's really just kind of nice and, and pleasant to watch him in a way. He's one of those guys that's graceful, everything he does. It's a smooth left-handed swing, power's coming, uh, just a really, really good ball player. So, so those two young shortstops are two players that I think have very, very good careers ahead of them, and, and I look forward to watching continue to develop and get up to the big leagues. Okay, Kyle, as we've been chatting, lots of questions coming in live from the YouTube crew. So let's start with our guy, Toasty, who said, and you mentioned him earlier, can we talk about Ethan Salas? Should Padres fans be excited? Yeah, you talk about poise. This is a a tremendous, tremendous young player. The Padres promoted him to low A this year when he was 16 years old. uh, First 16-year-old to see full season ball since Adrian Beltre. He is remarkably polished and poised. I mean, you think about it, he was the age of a, a sophomore in high school going into his junior year, and he looked completely comfortable in full season ball facing some guys who were 22, 23-year-old college draftees. Um, super mature at bats, does not chase, calm with, calm with his takes, puts good swings on the ball. It's a nice, beautiful, smooth left-handed swing. There's power coming makes adjustments and defensively as well. Um, just really, really, really polished in receiving, blocking. He's bilingual, uh, knows when to go out and talk to his pitchers. Uh, he comes from a baseball family. Uh, he's very, very advanced in a lot of ways. Again, still very, very young, has to build up the strength and durability. Uh, Eric, you know better than anyone and AJU as well. I mean, it's a grind, you know, physically and mentally catching day in and day out at any level and that just comes with time and experience and, and physical gains which he still needs to make and the Padres need, need to give him time to do that but from an ability and poise perspective uh, he's a remarkable young talent does he fizzle out like his uncle did or does he make the jumps like his dad did and then you know his intelligence just takes him to another role because I played with his I played with his dad I played against his uncle and it's incredible to me that we both have kids the same age and one of them's one of them's this far into pro ball. Yeah, you know, look, you never know when you're talking about teenage prospects. Again, you guys can speak to this. So many guys who you played with that had tremendous talent, looked like they had it all, and then just hit a wall or fizzled out or any number of things happen, especially talk about catchers. So, you know, injuries pop up, the, ter- uh, the you know, grind of the position can, can wear guys down. But – Everything he has shown to date makes you optimistic that he has a chance to be a very, very talented, special young player. Again, it's the swing, it's the poise, it's the ability to make adjustments, it's the power that is starting to come, it's the receiving, it's how he handles himself with his pitchers, with his coaches, with the media even. Talking to him, you don't feel like you're talking to a 16-year-old. So all the ingredients are in place, but like anyone else, he has to stay healthy, he has to stay on the straight and narrow, he has to continue to put in the work. If those things happen, he certainly has a chance to be a very, very special player in San Diego for a long time. Okay, this one from D-Rod. We have a few Yanks fans in the chat who are looking for some hope, and they feel weird. They're like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my eyes and my hands. It's September, and it's meaningless baseball, and we're just rooting for spoilers. So let's talk prospects. My thing for Yanks fans is I'm like, you get to actually try dudes out in the bigs, and I know Domingo's obviously it was short-lived, but it looked awesome for a week but the injury occurred. So going down to the farm, D-Rod says, well, Yanks new crop, but prospects have an impact in 2024. Is Drew Thorpe the real deal? 
Yeah, I mean, you look at guys like Spencer Jones, you look at guys like Drew Thorpe, uh, we saw Austin Wells come up, you know, all these guys are in the upper levels or have made the jump to the big leagues. Everson Pereira fits in there. So there's definitely a, a good young crop, especially a position player if the Yankees, you know, have an opportunity to, to give playing time to. We've seen in the past they've preferred to give it to older veterans, uh, sometimes the team's detriment. So letting these young guys get out there, play, get consistent reps and ABs, yeah, there's certainly things to like with all of them. In terms of Drew Thorpe, um, I actually got to see him when he was at Cal Poly. Um, great changeup, really durable. Um, the big thing with him is we see fastball changeup pitchers have a lot of success in the minors. Then once they get to the majors, they, they tend to have you know, more struggles. Chris Paddock is a prominent example of this. We've seen a guy like Gavin Stone with the Dodgers destroy the minors with his great changeup, came up to the majors. And, and if you can't beat guys with your fastball, it can be a problem. Um, so with Drew Thorpe, while his minor league numbers were exceptional, he probably fits more as like that number four or five starter rather than a frontline stud, just because it's mostly about the changeup. The fastball is just okay. The slider's inconsistent. He can still add velocity. He's got some room to grow. He's got a good slider. He's poised. He's durable. Does a lot of good things. Um, and look, a good number four starter is valuable. Again, AJ and, and Kratz, he can talk about it. You can have two studs, but if you're rolling out bad starters, number four and five every time out, you're not going to win many games. So he should be a solid starter for sure, but just probably not that frontline stud that maybe his minor league numbers might indicate. One more before we move to another org, Roderick Arias, um, who was you know a big international prospect addition for them a couple of years ago for the Yanks. Do you know his progress and where he's at? Yeah, really, really talented young international player. Um, again, long way to go, but you see the tools, you see the ability. The Yankees have done a really good job with international signees recently. You talk about Jason Dominguez, Everson Pereira. We've seen Oswald Peraz. We've seen Oswaldo Cabrera. So they've done a good job scouting Latin America, um, and this is another guy who has a chance to, again, potentially do some things. But you know, we're talking about a, a really, really young kid at the lowest levels of the minors with a lot of physical development and a lot of uh, developmental steps to go. So give him time, but uh, there's certainly – exciting tools to uh, be intrigued about and, and to keep an eye on. All right. So two more to go here. And uh, this is an org question. So we have a lot of White Sox fans that um, watch and listen to the pod. Um, go figure. So AJ early in here said that the White Sox just hired Barfield director of player development, assistant GM. Will he be able to turn around the Sox t terrible player development? So one thing, I mean, you know, we're talking about Yankees dudes, and obviously they have not had, it's clear, they have not had a lot of success bringing guys up to the show over the past 10 years that have turned into legit big leaguers. But a lot of Yanks fans think this next group's going to do that. So um, thoughts on what you're seeing here on the White Sox side and, and can kind of mix in your overall thoughts on what you're seeing on the development side, because there still seems to be these massive gaps with certain teams that just pump out prospects. And every dude that comes up has a legitimate chance to stick in the big leagues or make a big impact. And other teams where it's just disappointment after disappointment. And sometimes it seems like, I don't know, you tell me, are they doing too much with some teams and others? Do they not have the resources? Yeah. So first with Josh Barfield, he did a really, really good job with the D-backs. And again, this is a guy who brings credibility, was a big leaguer, comes from a big league family with his dad. I remember watching him with the Padres growing up in San Diego, I had some really good years and he did a really good job with the D-backs farm system. You know, we've seen the D-backs bring up some really good young players, Corbin Carroll, obviously being most prominent. Um, but a lot of other guys have, have progressed up to the big leagues. And again, they've had some early struggles, Ryan Nelson, Brandon Fogg, et cetera. 
Alec Thomas, but these guys are overall progressing the right way up through the system. They're getting to the majors and now they have to make adjustments. I think Josh Barfield, again, having the big league experience, he gets it. He knows what it takes. He's become a good talent evaluator. And he's did a, he, he did a really nice job in Arizona helping young players continue to get better and you know putting them in situations to be successful. I think he will be a help to the White Sox. In terms of your bigger question about player development, you know, we like to think that every organization is perfectly in sync and they have the best coaches, but they don't. Some teams put in a lot of resources into strength and strength training and nutrition and hire the best coaches and others don't. I mean, it's no different than any other level. Some coaches are better than others and, and the best ones tend to get paid more. So it's about teams putting in the resources and being willing to pay for the best coaches, being willing to pay for the best nutrition, being willing to pay for the best strength and conditioning equipment. And some teams just aren't. And so you see a lot of guys in some organizations who are really talented, have tools, but they just never progress physically or they never learn the nuances that help take them from good to great. And a lot of times it's because the organization just didn't invest in the resources to help them get there where other organizations like the Dodgers spare no expense. They hire all the best coaches. They bring in the healthiest meals. They have the nicest facilities and they are constantly working with these guys to help them get better, to give them the time and the resources. That's a big reason why Dodgers prospects in general are very, very successful when they get to the big leagues very quickly. Yeah, we're big on that. And we talked about that a lot and it makes sense. I mean, and it's how you get the continuity going with that franchise because it's not just like every top spending team does well, <clears throat> Mets, Padres, etc. Um, so let's finish with this, Kyle. Um, Justin asks if teams were saving prospects at the trade deadline to use in the offseason to trade for guys like Trout, Arenado, Burns, if he's available, Goldschmidt. To me, I mean, I think there's been a process for a while where many GMs keep getting tighter on what they want to, you know, give up in their own farm system. And especially with dudes that are close to the show because they're like, I'm going to get a league minimum guy for years that's going to help me. And I just spent a lot of time and effort into grooming him to be a big leaguer. So what are you seeing on the trade front? Yeah, teams are definitely more and more reluctant to trade top prospects. Um, we see teams being willing to trade guys who rank, you know, 50 to 100 on the overall top 100 and, you know, guys who are maybe number seven or eight in their own system who, who are good players, um, but, you know, not that elite level prospect. You know, it's pretty rare to see guys who rank in the top 50 and at the top 100 get traded anymore. And a lot of it is, A, we see so many young guys come up and, and have an immediate impact and teams are wary of being the team that trades one of those guys away and it comes back to haunt them. Um, in terms of trade deadline versus offseason, a lot of times it's just about you know not having that clock. A lot of times teams engage in discussions over the deadline, but you know for whatever reason, they just can't come to an agreement. I had a GM once tell me that for every deal that gets made, there's 10 others that are discussed that don't get made at the deadline. Whereas the offseason, you have a little more time, you can do a little more due diligence, be more thorough in your evaluation. So we do tend to see teams make more moves in the offseason involving bigger names, both on the you know the player side in terms of you know prominent big leaguers as well as prospects. A lot of it's just a time component. Kyle, this was awesome. Really great to have you on and have some time to be able to spend a lot of questions coming in all the time and still more. And I told everyone, all right, well, we'll bring them back and we'll get to more in the future. But Really enjoyed it and uh, enjoy the end of this season and, and October. And obviously we'll have you on again soon. Sounds good, Scott. Looking forward to it.
Thank you. That's Kyle Glazer. You can read all of his work on Baseball America and also, of course, follow him on Twitter. We'll post some of those clips up there so you can give him a follow. But he's great. Super informative. Um, and there's a lot of dudes to keep up with in the minor leagues. And he's pretty locked in. 